You may be seated. Praise ye the Lord, the Bible says. And listen, let every breath, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Or praise you the Lord, right? And so many times we're not used to that because uh, we're told that we've got to be quiet and reverent. We grew up in different cultures, different religions, different denominations. We, we have all kind of differences as we grew up. And as we melt here together, somebody said, ask me what the differences was. And I said, I do it occasionally. <clears throat> they were surprised that not everybody in our church is from Aiken. So I want to go ahead and surprise them. If you're here today and you heard him say that, the camera's not going to be panning. But how many of you guys are actually what would be deemed Aiken Originals? So if you would stand, we want to recognize you today that you're originally from Aiken, South Carolina. But I, I told everybody out that you're in the minority. Look around. All right, so look, I'm not a mathematician. I don't know why you're clapping. That's nothing to praise the Lord about. You're from Aiken. You're from Natville, South Carolina. Did you hear me? Barbara's, Barbara's proud of Aiken. How many of you are not from Aiken? Stand up originally, so I'll stand with you. Uh-huh. Who's in the majority? Exactly right. All right, y'all give yourself a round of applause because this... <laughs> it took people from the outside to make Aiken a better place. I'm just kidding, all you Aiken. My wife's from Aiken originally. I aggravate her all the time. But here's what we need to understand. God is in the business of moving people. Would you agree? And when he moves people, you have certain skills and abilities. You have a skill set. You have whatever you have brought to you by God. You have that ability to actually make a difference where you live. Uh, you ever heard somebody say, well, you need to bloom where you're planted? Have you ever heard that? Well, God moves his plants around so that you can actually bloom in the area where you are. But uh, I'm one of those. How many of y'all watched the, uh, the old National Geographic or some of those old uh, shows where Planet Earth or different ones that, that show how things are pollinated or things are made. Anybody, your wife ever get on to you and just say, stop watching that mess. Wendy, Wendy can't stand it. And I'm like, did you know that, you know, wildebeest do this? And, and she's like, I don't care. I've never seen one, don't want to see one. So, uh, but I'm interested in those things. Well, today, listen, we're, we're on number six, seven marks of a disciple. And there's many more than this. But we're taking the actual word of God and see what Jesus Christ says about a disciple. And as we look into it, that's why you have a bulletin, by the way, on the back of your bulletin. We have a fill in the blanks if you'd like to have that. If you're watching online, it's already filled out for you. Jeremiah posted it online for you so you can actually have the notes. But we're going to look at the sixth mark out of seven of, of a disciple. And today's sermon is simply this, radiant living. You all understand what that means, right? Let your light so shine before men, right? This little light of mine. We've said it so many times. If we're not careful, and same thing for pastors, uh, when I first became the pastor of the church, I'm like, Lord, there's only 66 books in the Bible. I'm going to be done preaching by the time I've been here 10 years. I, I, won't, I won't have enough anything else to preach. And I was being facetious, but how naive was I that I can't even get through it with a full lifetime times 10 could I ever get through the living word of God. But if you're not careful today when we, when we read this, you go, oh, I've read this before. I know that passage. You'll get tired of doing the same old, same old thing. If you're not careful in your work, uh, and we call it with men, I, they call it in America the midlife crisis, right? About 50 years old, a man is trying to see, did I achieve anything? Did I not achieve anything? I don't know if it happens in women, because so, I am not one, so therefore I can't speak uh, as an authority on that. But in men, sometimes you just want to do something you haven't done. You just want something you haven't had before. It could be a hot rod, it could be a tractor, it could be a boat, it could be a, that house. So it could be fill in the blank, whatever it might be, something you feel like you deserve of yourself before you finish. And if you're not careful, you'll chase after that thing and actually leave the things that you know that are profitable, the things of God, behind. 
Same thing for women. You can do the very same thing. Marriages are splitting. A year of people have been married 25, 30 years and all of a sudden divorcing. Why? Because if you're not careful, the things that you're familiar with will become mundane to you if you don't keep them fresh. Same thing from the Word of God. Same thing about attending church. You can come and say, nobody spoke to me today and I'm not going back to that church. <laughs> That's what I got offered to you this morning. Speak to somebody else. You're the one, you're coming to this church today as a Christ ambassador. Your job is to actually let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. The person that didn't speak to you might not be a Christian. Uh, they might not know Christ. They've been at church a lot, but they don't know him. If you know him, get over yourself, amen? And let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. Don't get bored with God. If you're bored with God, you're not reading his word, you're not praying daily, and you're not having encounters with him because, listen, he's fresh and new every day. And when you go to bed, listen, you can talk with him when you go to bed. When you rise up, he's new, he's fresh. Listen, you can have a fresh encounter every single day of your life. And if you say, well, not me, not, I haven't been, then I can, t- I can diagnose you. Either you don't belong to Christ, you haven't been baptized by mercy, you haven't followed through a believer's baptism, so you're not obedient to Christ, you're not reading his word, you're not praying, and you're not helping others in Jesus' name. You're not doing those things of a disciple of Christ. If you're miserable today in your spiritual walk, it's your fault. Some people say, don't blame me. I got fill in the blank. My family, my background, it's your fault. The Bible says, draw near to God, resist the devil, and he has to do what? Flee. Only the devil causes confusion in your heart and mind. Look at our world. I was at a Planned Parenthood rally this past week. You heard that right. I went to speak to our representatives. I thought I was there early. When I got there, there was 150 people in front of me and about that many people behind me. It was the craziest, most fun I've had in my last month of life. There were people hating on Christians in front of me, people hating on Christians behind me, and I'm stuck right between all of them. There were vulgar signs. There were disgusting things all around, chantings, preachers. Uh, they called themselves preachers out there stabbing babies with plastic knives and and it was the most vile thing I've ever seen from Christians responding to, to the Planned Parenthood people. It was a mix of everybody. Our legislators knew what they were doing. They got us all together, standing in the hot sun, a heat wave it was. Uh, but it was the most joyful time I've had in quite some time. Uh, behind me, I was able to speak to about when the street preachers would say something, they would argue the vulgar things. And I would say, listen, have you talked with them? What he's saying is true. One girl said, you don't know a woman's body. I said, if I punched you in the stomach, you're pregnant, what would I be charged with in South Carolina? And then the baby dies. Murder. But if you walk into an abortion clinic that same day and have that baby aborted, then it's just your choice, your body, your choice. I said, there's got to be a conflict somewhere in your mind. We know it's a baby. All of them around me, we know it's a baby. But it's our choice. And I said, it's not your choice. If God gives life, it's not your choice. Amen? It's, it's not your choice. That's why suicide, we would, we would say, no, suicide's wrong. That's, that's murder. Suicide's murder. Abortion is murder. Taking of a life is murder. And so we have these discussions in line, and, and funny, we, we, our church, we raised the uh, uh, $3,000 plus for the uh, Aiken Life Pregnancy Center, uh, Life Choices. I took over the check last week and uh, gave it to them, and uh, Derek and I did, uh, a week, yeah, a little over a week, and then... The, one of the counselors saw me in line, wait, sweaty line, we're all in the line. She walks up to me, she goes, Clint, what are you doing here? What would, what would your response be? I just uh, had to burn a Thursday, my day off, I'm just going to stand in line. And it was like you're at Six Flags waiting to speak to our representatives. 
And I said, well, I'm here to speak to the representatives about giving testimony. She said, what group are you with? And the pro-choice older ladies behind me that I had a conversation with, they stood in front of her and said, he's with us. Now, if you see a picture of me, I'm between signs that say all kind of awful things. The girl in front of me, the two girls, one had a pink head and one had a blue head, and they had multiple piercings and little bugs tattooed all over their bodies. It was So if you see me in any kind of flamboyant magazine or video or anything like that, I was there, but I'm, I'm wedged right between these two groups that God put me through, and I stood there for over two hours having great conversation about God. Even the young girls in front of me yelled at the street preacher, even God murdered his own son that we might have salvation. <laughs> you just preached the gospel, but he didn't murder him. He gave his own life freely. And so we, we, we were able to have dialogue. She said, hey, can you hold my line in, in my spot in line so I can go sign the Planned Parenthood and let them know I was here? So I did. And then a guy comes over and goes, what's the old guy doing with y'all? She's like, he's with us. Y'all, so the front group, young group, took me as their representative, and the older ladies behind me took me as their representative, and I'm stuck between all their signs that say all kind of vulgar things. The guy walks through, he said, do you want one of the signs? My body, my choice? I was like, I don't carry signs. No. But I, I didn't want to go be so blatantly militant like the other people out there. They had no conversation. It just came into a shouting fest. And I stood for two hours and had a great conversation about the Lord, about Scripture, what Scripture says about the baby. And they do recognize, just so you know, those that are militantly uh, focused on Planned Parenthood, they know it's a baby. But they just know it's their choice. They've been living this life for so many years, they don't care. They want to do what they want to do. It's like a little kid. Don't tell me what to do, right? That's what these grown people are like. But I tell you that, uh, thank you for those who prayed for me, and, and I just I slid up thinking I was going to have a conversation. I didn't get a chance to get in because I was 150 deep. And, but here's what they are doing. If you are very sincere about your faith and about life begins in the womb at conception, I believe that, um, they're asking you to write in your testimony to the ad hoc committee at sc.statehouse.gov. So if you want to write that in, you can get that from me after church. But you yourself as a citizen can write that in. You should, as a Christian, write in and say, listen, protect life from conception. And so I want to continue with that as we let our light shine. This is one of our works to do. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Familiar verse, Jesus speaking, Sermon on the Mount has begun. Jesus talked about us being salt. In verse 13 and verse 14, he says this to his disciples. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You must be about good works. You say, well, what works am I supposed to do? Make sure that you get this down in your head and your heart. Salvation always comes first. You must always give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ so you Come into the family of God. You're a creation of God, yes, but you're not the family of God until you come in and give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then and only then do you belong to him. That's what makes the difference in, in the life. That's where the light comes from. And then when you come into his family, he tells you, there's something I've called you to do. We don't have it in your notes, but Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 tells us how to be saved, that it's God doing the work, and then that he has an ordained work for you and me to do. Most of us act like we're unemployment Christians, unemployed Christians when it comes to kingdom work. We like, that's somebody else's job. 
I don't know how. I'm not equipped enough. I'm too nervous. My mental stability won't let me have that. Whatever it might be, we have excuses. And I was told a long time ago when I was a young man, excuses are nothing more than a lie rolled up in a disguise. I'm saying that again. Excuses are nothing more than a lie rolled up in a disguise. Even a half-truth with the intent to deceive is a whole lie. Would you agree? So that excuse is, whether it's half-true, whole truth, doesn't matter. If you have intent to deceive because you don't want to, it's a whole lie. And you're lying about it. Now, there's, there's reasons for things, right? If there's a, a legitimate reason. But excuses are just lies. They're in a disguise is what it is. And we have a lot of them today. Pastor, I would, I would help, but I, I just don't feel like I'm able. Pastor, I just, and we fill in the blank. You could go a thousand times. No matter if I'm talking to a, a young Christian or a senior adult Christian, everybody has excuses why they're not serving the Lord. And I didn't give you the assignment. I didn't save your soul, can't save your soul. I, I, I can't extend grace and faith to you like that. I didn't give you the faith to believe. I didn't give you the breath that you're breathing today. And I didn't give you the assignment that you have from the Lord Jesus Christ. We enjoy all the things up until there's something required of us. We, we love salvation. We love the songs of salvation. We love the, the, even the air conditioning of the church. But when it comes to me doing you want me to do something? Not me. It's not an assignment from the pastor. It's an assignment from God. Ephesians 2.10 is your assignment from God. You say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You get into Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. There's a list of things that are there for you to do as a Christian. You say, well, I don't know what my giftedness is. Most likely you do. If you're gifted to serve, you don't care what it is, you'll do it. Let me, let me, get it, let me at it, Pastor. And, and I've learned as a pastor because I never want to let anybody else do any more work that I'm doing. If I'm not doing it, I didn't want you to do it. But what I've learned is I'm holding you back because you're gifted. Uh, there were people that I said because they had health issues that wanted to serve. I said, hey, we're not going to let you serve here. We're only going to let you serve in this area if you don't mind. I did it because their, I knew their personal health was not good. And they left the church because they said he's always telling everybody what to do. And I was trying to look out for them, and they thought I was trying to hurt them. So what I've learned is if you have the gift of service, you can work yourself till God says stop it, right? If you have the gift of mercy, extend that mercy. Love on somebody. Go and make the difference that I can't make. If you have the gift of teaching, you should be teaching a Bible study class if you're living out the Bible that you're actually saying that you teach. If you're a prayer warrior, you should be praying on a regular basis. Not many people come up to me and say, Pastor, uh, can you give me a list of things to pray for? Uh, I don't know, and my staff never says there's that one person. But listen, we have responsibilities. We have jobs to do from the Lord. It's his assignment. That should be a big amen right there. We have jobs to do from the Lord. Amen? We don't say amen. We say, oh my, because that means we're not doing them. If we were all doing the jobs God's called us to do, we would not have a place to put a person for multiple services because we were trying to help get people out of the way. We, listen, somebody else has got to hear the word. They've got to get trained. Like I told the kids, we learn things, and then we turn back around and are to give those things away. We're to teach these things that the Lord talks about. Look at your notes if you would. The Bible says God is light, and so is his son. Did you know that in 1 John 1, 5? Did you know that the Bible says that God is light? Now, light is not God, so don't worship the sun. Don't worship the moon. That's part of his creation. But the Bible says by his nature, God is light. So therefore, Jesus Christ is light. You say, well, I don't fully understand that. Neither do I, other than what the Word of God says. Look at it also, I want you to see that Jesus came to the earth to display his light. 
Go with me, if you would, to John chapter 1. Very familiar passages of Scripture that all of us have heard from this pulpit, that we've heard here from, from another preacher, or even you've read on your personal time of reading. But go to John chapter 1. I want you to see that Jesus came to earth to display, demonstrate, whatever word you want to put in there. He came to give his light away that we would see that he is God's son, that he is God. John 1, when you're there, say amen. In the beginning was the word. And by the way, today's sermons should have all kind of questions when you leave here today. But what about this? What about that? This should generate a lot of questions from you in your heart. If you want to talk about them, I'll be happy to answer some of them. Some of them we won't be able to answer. But we're going to get in and there will be a difference of opinion on. But uh, this sermon today should spur your heart to say, i got to do something better. i got to move to the next level. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. Get that in your heart and get that in your head. Your, your Kingdom Hall friends will say Jesus was a God. Uh, they don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God or that Jesus is God. So therefore they've got the wrong God, so therefore they got everything else wrong. Your Mormon friends got the wrong God. They got everything else wrong. Our Muslim friends have the wrong God, so therefore they have everything else wrong. You can't have a basis of rightness or righteousness without having the holy God of the Bible put in his place. He begins all things. He created all things. He is the end to all things. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Without him, we have nothing. So when you understand that me and God together, listen, he don't need you, but he brings you along for the ride. Me and God together can get through anything. Any persecution, any sickness, any, any, even death of loved ones, we can get through this because God's going to carry me through. I can live this Christian life because the Holy Spirit lives in and through me, not because I can do it by myself, because I am weak. When I am weak, what is he made? He's made strong. That's what the Word of God says. Let's continue verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made through him, all, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So when the Bible says everything that was made was made by him, and we, you know the old blues clues, we get a clue that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We founded a nation, and the men that founded our nation said, we are given our rights, our inalienable rights, how? By our what? Creator. Who is our creator? His name is Jesus Christ. So we understand even the founding fathers, some say we're not a Christian nation, they were deists. Don't listen to all the fog machine, don't look at the fog, go back and look at the text and look and see how many of those men lifted high the name of God, they lifted high the name of Jesus Christ so they understood that when this nation founded, listen, we were founded on the rock and his name is Jesus. All the rights that you have, and by the way, women don't have the right to choose to kill their baby, that's not a constitutional right. All the Supreme Court did was make the law back right the way the ones wrongly interpreted. And by the way, it's not up to the Supreme Court. Did you know that our Congress invented the Supreme Court? So the Supreme Court, we talk about co-equal branches of government, but the Congress can override the Supreme Court. So if you're a Republican or Democrat, don't come up today and say, well, if the Republicans have been in charge, they've been in charge for a long time. Democrats have been in charge for a long time. All they had to do was act. All Congress had to do was act and overturn what the, Senate, I mean, what the, the Supreme Court said. 
For 50 years, they haven't acted. Your senator, your representatives, they haven't acted because they didn't want the social pressure of it. Now, look what time the Supreme Court ruled, flipped Roe versus Wade on the Dobbs decision. What, what did the Democrats do, the liberals do? They come full circle and said, now we're going to go after Congress. Congress, fix this because y'all can fix this. They understand the Constitution and the way we're set up better than those people who say we're conservative or whatever it might be. They're calling on Congress to make a decision because Congress can go back around and make a law and put it back, established that abortion is legal, that it's a right. Did you know that? We, so our Republican or conservatives, whatever you want to call them, and whether they're Republican or Democrat in the past, they had an opportunity to make this change and did not make a change. So please don't tout your, your spiritual leader or your po political leaders because they all have failed those 60 million plus babies. 60 million plus babies have been killed. This is why Christians must let our light so shine here on earth. In the church, yes. But out there in the community, yes. In politics, yes. Because God ordained government. It's our responsibility. This is our world. He is our God. He created this world. He said, let your light so shine before men. Where? At work. Would you agree? Amen? At school. In, in the political forum. In all places, let your light so shine before men. And when we were young, older folks used to say, don't talk about religion or politics around the kitchen table. The very thing that we should be talking about, that's the life we live, it affects all of us. The very thing we should be talking about are the very things that the Christian leaders of days of old said, don't talk about because it starts a fight. Well, i got news for you. Every time you lift high the name of Jesus Christ, it's going to start a fight. So if you want to come over to my house, when you want to talk about politics, we're going to talk about whatever you want to talk about, but we're going to beat a quick trail to Jesus Christ, right? What does the Lord say about it? Hey, it's easy for me. What does the Lord say about abortion? He's the giver of life. Why would he want to end it? He can take life as well. We know that. Is the issue of abortion settled with God? Long before the Supreme Court said something, the Supreme God said something. Amen? So when we beat a bush of anything, whether it might be in society, in business, wherever it is, what does the Lord do? Are you doing the right thing the right way? That's the question we have to ask because he says he came to let the light shine, his light into the world. But the world loved darkness more than they loved light. Matter of fact, it even goes on a little bit further. It talks about his cousin, John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Who's that light, church? Jesus Christ. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. That's the Jewish people. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, or your mom and daddy, nor of the will of man, but of, what does your Bible say? It was God's will that you're born. You're here today because God said so. Then you're born again because Jesus paid the ultimate price. And as long as you give your heart and life to him, you repent of your sins and you come to him asking him to forgive you for sins. When you repent and ask him to come into your life, you're born again. So when you walk around, if you're born once, you're going to die twice. If you're born again, you're going to born twice, you're going to die once. This is a promise from the Word of God. There is no second death for us as believers. Listen, when we die, listen, it's, it's from here to glory. Amen? We're going to see Him as He is. Let's get back to your notes, if you would. 
Jesus explained his light penetrates spiritual darkness, Luke 11, 33-36. You need to read that. That is a powerful passage of Scripture telling you who you are as a Christian. As a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, Luke 11, 33-36, it's a no-brainer. God puts his word in his word, so simple that even a child can understand it if they would simply read his word. Amen? It's that simple. When some people say, I don't understand the Bible, all you're saying is I'm not saved or I'm not taking the time to read it. Because the Bible, 99.9% of the time, the Bible interprets itself. Just read it long enough, you'll get to the point that the Lord's trying to make, and the Holy Spirit will open up your mind for understanding. So somebody didn't understand the Bible is either not a Christian or not reading the Bible. You're just reading and quitting, reading and quitting. You want to get that morning devotion. So many of you are stuck on, I just like those devotions. You know, I got a men's study. I just love that little devotion. Pastor, one of the new devotions coming in. You're walking around with a library of devotions. You're walking around with, this is how to live life. Why in the world do you need another man to take it out of this book, put it in a small book, so you can have a little bit of, we call them gold nuggets. Just give me a little spiritual nugget, Lord, and I'll be good for the day. You need more than a stinking spiritual nugget. Matter of fact, why don't all of you go to McDonald's today and get a 10-pack, if you've got 10 in your family, and eat one nugget the rest of the day? What's going to happen? Let that little nugget do something for you, right? That's the same way it is when you say, well, you thanks for that spiritual nugget. It makes me sick to my stomach when somebody says, hey, Pastor, thanks, I appreciate that spiritual nugget today. I didn't give you a nugget. I've been studying. I've been trying to give you a doggone 15-course meal. Get deep into the Word. If you just got a nugget out of today, I failed you or you failed yourself not listening. The Lord wants you to do something different this Sunday than you did last Sunday. If you're the same old, same old, I'm bored, churches are so boring, something's wrong with you. You should be growing this year stronger in the Lord. Say, listen, let me stand up and pray. Let me preach. I got people that's been in church for 50 plus years. And Pastor, don't, please don't call on me because I don't pray in public. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works and bring glory to your Father who is in heaven. It is our responsibility to do what he's called us to do. He made us, he saved us, and he assigned us. And we don't like our assignments. Oh, I, I wish I could sing. If I could sing, boy, I'd be out there singing. No, you wouldn't. Because your gift is being squatted on right there in the, in the pew. You, some of you have been gifted the gift of mercy. You love people so My wife is. Has, she, she has a gift of mercy. She'll do anything. She'll give everything we have in the family away. And she has. So have I in times. People who teach say, Pastor, can I teach that Bible study? Can, can I get on on that? Can I be a co-teacher? Can I, can I be an assistant? People who have administration gifts. Listen, Derek is he's probably so strong in the gift of administration. When he, when he just sees things at 30,000 feet and can put it together at three feet. God's blessed everybody with different gifts, spiritual gifts. It's not what you train for in college. It's not what you train for in your skill, your blue-collar job, white-collar job, whatever color job you have. This is something that's supernatural being given to you by the God who created you and saved you. He wants something different from your life. Young people, he wants the same thing from you. He's gifted you, if you're saved, to do something for his kingdom. Let your light so shine before men. Disciples of Jesus have his light in them, and they must influence the world around them. It is God's plan that the believers shine forth his light. There is no room for excuses. No room for excuses. 1 John 1, if you go back, we referenced that in the beginning. Go to 1 John 1, not John, but 1 John. Let's look at this together, because I doubt some of you will read this if I don't read it to you this morning. If you, you, won't, you just won't open up the notes again, but let me read it to you. 1 John 1 
5 through 10. Bear with me, those of you who will read it, and those of you who will make application. Bear with us together as brothers and sisters for the weaker brother and sister who needs a little bit of that spiritual milk. We need to put some infamil in the water this morning, shake it up for them because they need the spiritual milk. Listen to this, and that's biblical, by the way, if you get mad at me. I'll show you in Scripture where the Word says that. Because if you get pouty and mad, that just shows that's, that's an outcropping of what's happening on the inside. If you want to leave out of church mad every Sunday, well, that's a, not a bad thing. You should get frustrated sometimes with the pastor. Who does he think he is? And if there's something I've said personally that offended you, I am sorry. I should never offend you myself walking out of here. But if the Word of God offends you, I laugh all the way home, just so you know. If you walk out of here, I can see your faces. Just some of you are like, you got all torqued up faces like, can't believe you're saying that to me. And who do you think he is? I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to us. The Lord has spoken. Amen? The Chinese church, the Kenyan church, they read the same word. They're going to have the same message because the Lord has spoken. Amen? So if you leave out of here mad today, if it's me, I'm sorry. If it's not me, in the word, <laughs> I love it. That's why we read the word of God. Amen? First John chapter 1, if you're there, say amen. Jump back to verse 5 together. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. How much darkness is in our God? Zero. There is none. He is light. God is light. The Bible also says God is love. The very nature of love comes from God. Go to verse 6. Watch this. If, you ever done that before? We had a kid at camp saying, what if, uh, what if we saw it, we, we went out hiking in the woods and all the kids were looking for a fat lighter. I was trying to teach them how to find stuff in the woods. And, and then I told one of the students, I like, pick up that piece of fat lighter. Everybody stepped over it. When he picked it up, a little snake ran out from under it. I said, all the kids in the woods, none of the kids were paying attention. They're just walking in the woods. And I said, y'all run into the woods, all the, all the teenagers, because we could see them, run into the woods and yell, snake, because there's a snake right there. And I'll keep them away from this area. Tell them there's a snake in the woods. And y'all run out, tell everybody to get out. So they ran into the woods. And they started screaming, snake, get out of the woods, there's a snake. And the kids ran, almost broke their necks coming out. And it looked like a flood of ants, fire ants coming out of the woods. It was the most priceless, fun, second fun thing I've done this month. So Plan Bonner would still beat that. Well, the kids come out, and all the kids come out. That was a rattlesnake in there. I almost got bitten by the snake. All the stories started changing when they came out. I was standing in the area, not letting them by, where the area where we'd, we'd seen the small little snake. But the snake was in the woods. By the way, did y'all notice there's snakes in the woods? Every time you hear something like this, that snake's going to try to get you. Satan will kind of come back in and take that away. He didn't mean that. What did he do with Eve? Did God really say did, did God really say that in his word? He'll try to take it away as soon as you leave. Watch this. One of the kids came up and they said, Pastor Clint, if that snake would have come out and bitten us, uh, stop, I don't play if games. Because if a plane crashed and hit us right here right now, we'd all die. If a jaguar came out of the woods because it escaped from the zoo, somebody trucked it all the way down, if it came out of the woods, it would get us and eat us. If the earth opened up, and I just got to see, y'all, who, those of you that are anxious, worrying people, you stress people like me out. Why? Is God in charge of everything, yes or no? Then why would you be anxious for anything? Because the Bible says, he said in his word, be anxious for nothing but in prayer and supplication. Listen, you pray for those things. You're wasting your time and you're wasting my ear time when you tell me that you're anxious. I'm sorry. I love you, but I'm just going to follow what God says. Be anxious for nothing. You say, but my, my status in my brain lets me uh, change your brain. Reteach it. Retool that brain. 
Retool it week after week. You say, well, I'm getting, I'm getting stronger. That's what you'll do. That's what children, those little children, we laughed at some of the teenagers that are over here. I was, I've been here 13 years, and they, some of them were two years old when I got here. We've been teaching them, right? You've been teaching them. Some of us are getting older, right? Gray hair, no hair. We're getting there. We're understanding that God has a plan for us. Listen, watch together. Look at verse 6. This is powerful. If we say we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You ever heard somebody, I just I don't have time to read my Bible. Liar. You have the same 24 hours a day I do. We all have the same time, don't we? But you like to sleep how many hours? Well, Pastor, I don't sleep much. I just stay up. I watch some NPR, watch the news, listen to NPR, whatever it might be. Cut that out. The news is going to come and go. And it ain't right most of the time anyway. It's propaganda. Read the Word of God. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that a good word? Don't you feel good this morning if you're a Christian? I, I've been made free. I've been all my sins in the past. Somebody says, you remember when you used to do this? Yeah, that's who I used to be. That's not who I am now. Praise God, that's the old flesh, right? I've been made new, right? Some of y'all haven't been made new. That's part of the problem, right? Are you still thinking about the old stuff? Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Here's the important part. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Is that powerful? Is that scaring? Be careful that you don't make those excuses because when you make an excuse, what is it? It's a lie rolled up in a disguise. And if you lie on a regular basis to the Lord, you need to check yourself. You don't belong to him. Because either if you do, he's going to discipline you or he's going to take you home to be with him in glory. And some of you have been sitting here for 13 years as long as I've been here. Now, a lot of them have left, right? A lot of folks have left. I'm, I'm seeing folks, they, they, they left the church, but they forgot to unfriend me on Facebook. When I do the church's update, I see them drinking their alcohol, having, uh, they're, they're brewing their alcohol, drinking their alcohol. They're having parties at the beach. And I go, I tell Wendy, Come here, look at this. This is exactly why they left the church. They went mad at me. They loved their alcohol more than they loved hearing about the Word of God. Uh, Y'all have heard me say about alcohol. I don't care what you do. It's your choice. But it offends you whenever you hear somebody, a preacher, especially a Baptist preacher, old straight and narrow Baptist preacher, right? Which way is it to heaven? Which, I can't remember which road it is. Is it the broad way or is it that straight and narrow? Which one is it? Yeah, Matthew chapter 7. Read it for yourself if you want. It's a straight and narrow way to get to heaven. So if somebody calls you narrow-minded, you just say, thank you. And all the sins, you're like Jesus. You're saying what Jesus said about the way to heaven. So am I narrow-minded? You better believe it, right? Was I, used to, was I on the broad way to hell before I got saved? Yeah. Why can't everybody just have it on their own way? That's what we're going to do today. Logically, this is what brought me to Christ. Different life experiences. Could everybody in every religion be right? Can I teach that you must cut your head off if you're an infidel and then others tell you to love your neighbors you love yourself? Those two things match? Can I tell you you've got to crawl on your knees to actually reach a certain pinnacle in life but yet give your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Does those two match? Can I tell you to work your way to heaven and then I tell you over here that, listen, there's only one way to be saved and that's through faith and His grace? Can those two match? They can't match. So all of the world's religions put them in a big old bucket 
And I want to tell you this morning, they can't all be right. Can't all be right. There's no possible way. Could they all be wrong? Could I just be up here today expelling hot air today and listen, saying words from a book that's an ancient script? There's a possibility that when I was an unbeliever, I said, well, everybody could be wrong, but everybody can't be right. Now, I started the process. Who's right who's wrong? Well, God was working that process through me. Some of the foolish religions going, that's so crazy. That's so far out of here. Hinduism, Buddhism, that was easy. Chunk those easy, right? And Muslims, Islam, chunk that. That was easy to chunk. Animists, chunk them. Roman Catholicism was easy for me to chunk. Just all the rules and regulations and Wait a minute, that don't match up even for, with anything. That's all man-made. It was easy for me to chunk. If you're a Catholic today, I'm, I'm not insulting you. I'm just telling you for me, as I was on my journey to salvation. Here's what I became. Listen, when I became a follower of Christ, look at your notes. Jesus caused and still causes, I should have put that in there, his light to be radiated through his faithful, obedient disciples. Faithful obedience. Those are two things that's important in the life of a believer. The light of Jesus in his disciples is radiant, and it's obvious. You can't hide it under a basket or hide it under a bushel. It'll radiate out. It's funny, I'm talking about radiation today in Nakin, right? Isn't it funny? Those of you who work at the plant. Disciples of Jesus shine their light in a spiritually darkened world. Is that hard to understand? How many of you guys actually shot fireworks or saw fireworks during the 4th of July? People were blowing up last night. I thought they were knocking on the window. That's how heavy they were here at church. Boom! The windows were flexing. I thought they were in the back parking lot. They were not. They were over here, over here somewhere. They were blowing stuff up. But y'all, 4th of July reminds us how most Christians in most churches are. See you next year. Y'all remember any of the lights from 4th of July? Anyone spectacular that stood out? Maybe there was a red, white, and blue one. Or maybe there was a bright yellow one. Maybe there was something that actually did something kind of pattern. We remember those. Oh, that was cool. And it's over. And then it smells like stink for, right? Can't, doesn't stink have a smell? It smells like, you ever say that? My kid just said, it smells like stink. Instead of just saying it stinks. Y'all, that's the way it is when a Christian has a light and they leave a stink behind for a whole year. See you next year. See you at the New Year's. See you at Christmas and Easter and other special occasions. The Lord don't want you to be a 4th of July Roman candle. He wants you to actually have to turn the bright lights on. He wants you to be the LED. He wants you to spotlight in this world. Radiate that light so that all people around you know, listen, you talk to Clint Smith. You talk to Edwin Smith. She's a Christian. He's a Christian. You, you point that person out. They're a Christian. If you've got a problem, that's who you go to. They're going to pray with you. They're going to bring you before the throne of God. Let me quickly give you these. The true Christ's light cannot and will not be hidden. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 28. I want you to read that. If you want to see the, the seriousness that Paul talks about to the church of Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 28. It talks about your light radiating. Jesus' light has a guiding purpose. His light is a beacon warning all led by sin to turn to Christ. Every time there's a message from Christ, it's turn to Christ. Turn to him. Put him first and foremost in your life. Last couple notes. Jesus' light leads others through darkness, right? So that the people in the house may see. When you go through your dark time, listen, sin will still try to cake itself on you like barnacles on a ship. Do you understand? When you live life, you navigate in life, barnacles just attach themselves. And every so often, the ships have to go in the dry dock, get all that nasty from the ocean, all the darkness of the sea scraped off and repainted and made new. 
That's how we are. That's why we come to church. That's why you have a spiritual gift. That's why you come. You're here to encourage me. And I'm here to encourage you, hopefully, that we actually walk through life together. That's why we have picnics. Why don't we have picnics to feed a couple hundred people? Not just because we have good cooks. Van and them are very good cooks. And Jim, they do a great job. It's so that we can fellowship and come together and just laugh and talk about life. Talk about how hot it is and how much rain we've had, right? We've got six inches of rain, right? Everybody, all the old guys do it. We all just talk about everything. But it's that fun time of coming together, kids playing, eating. My kids always ask when they were little, Dad, when are we going to eat at church again? Because it was their favorite time, not just because of the food. Food was good. It's because of the fellowship of coming together and saying, it's like being together. It's like talking to people that, look, that like to talk about stuff I like to talk about. I don't want to worry about stress or somebody hurting somebody. It's all of us together being here together. Well, the world is looking. Faithful disciples of Jesus are eager to let their light shine so that all may see it and bring glory to God the Father. Here's the questions you got on your notes. Do you have the light of God within you? Do you have the light of God within you? Have you asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and come into your life? And are you daily letting your light shine before Christ? It's got to be something. It's in you. Are you letting it out? Have you ever tried to cover up light before? When we were kids, we started to play the game and try to cover up a flashlight, and it bleeds through your fingers and turns your fingers really nice and pink and red. Anybody ever, seen, anybody ever done that? Who's done that? Raise your hand. All right. If you, most of you must be city kids. You didn't get to play with flashlights. We did. And we put it in our mouth. You ever do that? Let it shine through your gun. Y'all try that. It's kind of fun with kids. See all the veins and kind of cool stuff. That's what it is. You try to hide your light as a Christian. Once You can't go back. There's no renouncing your faith. Once you're a Christian, you have the light. And it's going to shine. It's whether you'll try to cover it up with a basket. But even when you do that, everybody in the house is going to say, what are you covering that light up for? Because they would have candles is what theirs would have been. Why are you lighting? What, what happens if you put a lit candle over a basket over a lit candle? You go and start a fire, right? So as long as you hold back your light, what's going to happen is you're building up something that's going to start a fire. And that fires aren't always a good thing. But fires aren't always a bad thing either. Sometimes God's got to burn up the very thing that's covering up your light. Amen? I need to get rid of it so that his light can shine. And when, you, when he gets rid of it, sometimes he'll take it and he'll say, now, he'll give it right back to you and say, use it for my glory. Everything, if you just trust him, the creator, the savior of this world, listen, if you just trust him, let him lead, he'll do all the work for you. And he'll shine his light through you. So when people see you, they see Christ. It's an amazing thing to do. Use your gifts, use your spiritual gifts for the Lord. Use your talents for the Lord. Otherwise, you're just wasting and covering it up. The Lord's going to burn through that eventually, or He's going to take you home to be with Him. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today, that you know all things. You know our hearts, you know the Scripture, and Lord, even better than we. As we read it, we know, James even says, faith without works is dead. And Paul tells us constantly to be light in the darkness. John tells us to be light in the darkness. Jesus was quoted about us being light in the darkness. Lord, help us to listen in our hearts. Help us to be the very light in the darkness. We need your help because sometimes we can get afraid. The darkness seems overwhelming. The world seems to be turning all around us. Turbulence, troubles, sickness, financial issues. Lord, we lay all those at your feet today and say, Lord, have your will and your way. Lord, we do need your help because we're frail human beings. When we're together, we're ready to go. But when we get out there isolated, sometimes, Lord, we can get depressed and anxious and stressed. 
When we do that, Lord, let us quickly turn to your word or call a friend that we know that's a Christ follower. And Lord, have our candle. Lord, the, fl- the flame of our candle fanned that it might grow and glow. We need you. We love you. Can't do it on our own. But Lord, you know, you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. You're such a good God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.